Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Yang Gang Podcast. Uh, we're here today. Uh, we have a very exciting interview with Jonas Rubel. He is the head of developer relations uh, for Horizon, which is a cryptocurrency. That's Horizon with an E. And uh, we're going to have some questions for him today. How are you doing today, Jonas? Hey, I'm all good. Thanks, Ethan. Yeah, we're, we're getting you pretty late over there in Berlin. Um, so thank you for coming on with us. Um, yeah, no, awesome. So I just wanted to ask you kind of a few questions about your background. Um, so I, I did some research on you. So I actually saw that you majored in chemistry. Is that correct? Um, yeah, I did indeed uh, graduate in chemistry here. Um, always was a natural science fan. And uh, right when I was studying for my last exams, I came across Bitcoin for the second time in my life. And um, this time I decided to follow up. And that's how I uh, started following down the rabbit hole of blockchain and cryptocurrencies. Yeah, yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to ask, I, I, I'm aware, but for the listeners of this podcast that, that might be aware, try to explain, explain blockchain to someone at what it is at its most basic level. Okay, at its most basic level. Um, <laughs> I like to um, explain blockchain as a, as a ledger that has many copies all over the place. And this ledger uh, records how much money you own. And um, everybody has a copy, so no single entity can change uh, the data that is saved there. And in order to access your money, you need a set of keys or your private key there, you say. Um, and this way, it's basically just a, a huge digital book that says, hey, Jonas has one Bitcoin, and when I use my key, I can actually spend that Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that makes sense. So how did you originally get go from, like I said, majoring in, in chemistry to being involved with a company like Horizon? Were you there? So... Just doing some research here. I know the Zencash ICO was originally in June 2017. Were you there for that? Uh, well, first of all, we didn't have an ICO. So, oh, okay. Um, well, explain this to me because, yeah, explain that um, to me. So while uh, Zencash back in the day was a, was a fork of uh, Zcash, they didn't fork the transaction history that came with it. So they just took the code and started it from, from zero again. So when, when Zencash started, there were zero Zen in, in existence and people um, could get Zen by mining it. That's basically how Bitcoin started as well. Right. Um, there was no, no pre-mine and no um, existing stash of Zen when the protocol launched. Interesting. So I know and again, I'm I'm very I'm new to this. And you are you are the expert here, which is why I'm asking you this question. So, for <laughs> something like for something like Zencash, I know a lot of these cryptos that are coming out now they're based on like the Ethereum blockchain, or maybe they change a little something of the Bitcoin blockchain, or they change something. Um, is that the case with Zcash? You said it was a fork of. Uh, excuse me. Is that the case with Zencash? You said it was a fork of Zcash. So yep. kind of explain that. So, um, two things. Uh, when you were saying those new cryptocurrencies that are based on Ethereum, there we are talking about tokens. So, generally speaking, you would differentiate between 
um, the native currency of a blockchain, which is Ether in the case of the Ethereum blockchain. And then the Ethereum blockchain allows you to issue additional tokens for basically any use case you like. They could be just collectibles, they can be utility tokens. So by buying a token, you get access to the service or they can be proper security tokens, which are basically digital representations of traditional financial instruments. Um, and regarding the um, horizon, um, yeah, the horizon code base. So the, the very core of it, so the transaction logic, all that stuff, um, that is also based on Bitcoin. But what Zcash did um, is they added a set of privacy features. So um, we also took over those, um, yeah, those features um, and we can offer something we call selective privacy with that. So you can either do transparent transactions with Horizon where you can, um, where anybody can publicly audit if, if the transaction happened, uh, which addresses were involved and how much money was transferred. Or you can do shielded transactions, which are entirely private. So neither the sender nor the receiver or um, the amount that was transferred is public. Yeah. And that is a quite um, fundamental change of the functionality. Um, the technology that is used uh, is called zero knowledge proofs or ZK snarks. Um, no need to, to get into that. That's, that's where stuff gets complicated. But um, yeah, in general, it allows you to transact privately. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, obviously, you, you believe in, in crypto and a lot of the stuff that comes with it. Where do you kind of see this whole landscape going? I know that you're, you're in Germany. I know that you guys have like negative bond yields right now, which is kind of a relatively new thing in terms of monetary policy. Where do you see cryptocurrencies headed? Mm. that oh, might so, be a tough question yeah yeah it's uh, because it's a huge question like i could go on on this for for hours um <laughs> obviously over the last two years I've, I've thought a lot about this um but generally i think it's becoming increasingly attractive for governments to or just in general for um large organizations entities um they may be private they may be public to collect data on people because people realize that data has value. Yeah. And um, so there've been, um, there've been motivations to, um, to ban cash for a while now, or people have been bringing it up um, once in a while. And now the technology that would enable a cashless society is here. But what I, don't want to have something that China has, for example, where there is um, centralized entities, Tencent, WeChat, that um, that basically have access to the entire transaction data of, an, of the entire population. Um, and I think at some point, people will realize that um, this is very detrimental. I mean, <clears throat> luckily, we haven't seen um, social um, social credit systems like in China, anywhere else so far. Right. But I think it is something that is appealing to many governments, to be honest. Um, it kind of, it, 
I mean, from the perspective of a government, it is super attractive to have that assumption, something like that. Um, and at some point, when people realize, hey, I can't buy a Coke now because my social credit score is too low, um, I can't buy a train ticket, which is actually happening in China right now. So this this almost uh, this always sounds like dystopia, but I mean, we're literally seeing that happen in front of our eyes. We just have to get on a plane and go for ten hours to to see it live. So um, yeah, I think. Decentralized currencies are basically the only alternative we have at this point. And um, I do hope people realize the value that is provided by those um, protocols and by those digital currencies. Um, and yeah, that's why, that's why I believe in it because I, I believe people will realize the benefit at some point. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think, I just know over here in the US, there's a lot of, basically opposition kind of by our government to be accepting of of a lot of these things mainly i mean for all the positives that you just pointed out a lot of it is because um i mean it's just harder to i guess track or determine it's easy to launder money with it but on the flip side of that i've kind of heard that with like bitcoin and this is what i'm about to Ask. Not that easy, actually. Yeah, that, and that's actually what I was going to say, because you, because it's on a blockchain and it's a public ledger, a lot of these can be tracked, right? Yeah. Ask yeah. the Silk Road, Silk Road guys how it went for them. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, it's difficult. You got to consider two things. So first of all, I think um, fiat on-ramps are um, basically the exchanges that allow you to buy crypto with your US dollar or with your euro, those should be subject to, um, to regulation in order to not allow money laundering to happen. Um, right. There will always be ways, I know, but um, this is basically, this is where the money laundering would happen. Once the money is in the system, it is quite uh, traceable and Money laundering from crypto to crypto is, um, yeah, it's not really that feasible. <laughs> yeah, I, um, to turn it to a kind of a different direction. So initially we got in contact um, because you're actually a fan of a lot of Andrew Yang's ideas, which is we're on the Yang Gang podcast. So um, yeah. I think one of the things I, that I think you initially told me you were attracted to is just the policy of UBI in general. Um, and he says that UBI, we need it in place to basically kind of stave off the effects of automation. Would you agree with that? Um, I totally do, to be honest. Um, should, should I elaborate? Or yeah, yeah, please. Um, so I do believe that um, people will have to do less and less work. Um, just because so many boring tasks can be automated away um, and are being automated away as we speak. Um, so overall, there should be less work to do for the entire population. Well, now there's this thing where you have um, high-skilled knowledge workers that are not as easily replaced by the truck driver that just lost his job. I mean, we do really 
bad job at retraining people to and and it's sometimes it's just not feasible i mean you can teach some uh, 40 50 year old guy that just lost his production job to become a developer it's just not going to happen and just in general so yeah. by automating away a lot of the tasks a lot less work should be done but still there will be many people doing a bulk of the work uh, working more than eight hours a day and so there needs to be some mechanism to redistribute that wealth it, it just needs to be and anything besides a universal basic income would be unfair as soon as you as soon as you couple uh, those I, I like to I like the term freedom dividend a lot better. Actually, that's uh, <laughs> like branding wise. That was a brilliant move. <laughs> I agree. Awesome. Um, and yeah, I just, um, yeah, I just believe that um, people of the country should participate in the wealth that their nation accrues. Right. Are there, um, and you might, I mean, you might not know this, but are there, any countries in Europe where this idea is kind of um, being, you know, taken on? It's definitely gaining traction. And I would assume most, so I follow a German philosopher, um, Richard David Brecht, quite closely. And um, he's speaking a lot. He, he knows a lot of people. He's talking to influential people. And he always says that um, behind closed doors, um, politicians think differently about um, UBI here in, in Germany or in Europe than they publicly um, admit. Right. Most of them know that it's and uh, that it's inevitable in the long term. Yeah, I would agree with that, and I think it does a lot of things. Like, whereas if you just wait, raise the minimum wage, the only people who will really see that effect are the people who currently make minimum wage, at least over here and then kind of a lot of that burden falls on the small business owners who then have to pay more right whereas if you had a universal basic income everybody's making that amount of money um and i think it would benefit everybody um so i agree with that um is there anything else the only the only, the only counter argument yeah um, please that i that i um i just heard recently and I'm not quite sure what I would answer to that. So usually when I'm in a debate with a friend or anybody, I take the side of the, yeah, I'm pro universal basic income. But there's this counter argument that I don't know quite how to answer. Um, and that is, well, imagine he introduces the universal basic income of $1,000 a month. Mm -hmm. um, at the next election, there might be two competitors and the other one would say, hey, if you vote for me, I will raise the UBI to 1,500, whatever. Um, so basically, at some point, it could be instrumentalized to buy votes. Yeah. Sense. It could be an upbidding. So there needs to be a mechanism in place for that. I'm not sure what this will or should look like. I think that's, yeah. In our yeah, I think that's a very interesting, and, and it is a valid point. Um, the short answer is I, I don't have <laughs> I don't have a counter to that either. Um, maybe if people listening can kind of give us one, I, I think that is valid. However, right now, 
Can't you ask Andrew at some point? <laughs> well, that's the goal. Um, that's the goal. So I, I don't have an answer for you there. I think that's a good point. And I, but I think that we want to hear, at least I want to hear all of these kind of, you want to hear the best, all views because you want to have the best solution um, at the end. I, uh, of course. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think, um, I don't, something we see nowadays is um, the public discussion going in the direction where you're either for or against something and you don't let any other arguments um, that contradict your views count. Um, I'm always open to those. I'm also always open to changing my, um, changing my opinion on a matter. Um, so it would be intellectually dishonest if you denied such arguments. Right. Um, I, I agree with that too. I think one of the things that really has kind of taken over is like, if you do change your opinion on something, they'll call you like a flip flopper or right. They'll say that, you know, you don't have any backbone when in reality, maybe you felt a certain way about a certain issue for, you know, reasons. And then someone gave you, Hey, but because of this, this, and this, this is not the most informed position on this. Um, so yeah, I agree yeah, with I th you. I think it was I think it was Jeff Bezos who said that um, you um, uh, you can tell smart people by um, them changing their opinions quite often. I'm not quite sure if it was Jeff Bezos, but it was some guy definitely. Um, and I do tend to agree because I mean I always try to form my opinion on the current information that I have, and when I get new information, then I have to reevaluate my opinion, obviously. Right. Right. Well, thank you so much for being on with us. Um, I guess I just have, you know, kind of one more question for you. So if you had, sure. I know this is kind of a big one, big question, but if you had to say where the state of things like crypto will be in say five years, do you think like Bitcoin, do you think it's worth more than it is now? Do you think it's worth less than it is now? And kind of why? Um, I know okay. that's a loaded question. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so first of all, because you asked um, specifically about Bitcoin, I will say, I assume it will be higher. Um, yeah, I do too. But <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm quite bullish in the long run, um, especially because it's disinflationary versus inflationary currency. So it, it kind of, it should turn out this way if all else is equal. Um, what I do see is a huge influx um, towards security tokens. So um, basically any financial instrument can be um, represented by a token on the blockchain. This can be bonds, this can be shares, this can be participation, right? Um, issuance is just um, much easier um, at a way lower cost. Um, the it has huge benefits regarding um, liquidity so you have access to global markets that are open 24 7 um, you have less friction you can audit um, you can audit the asset at any point in time you can basically audit it in real time um, and i think this will uh, eliminate quite a bunch of inefficiencies of the existing financial system. That's where I see the main use case within the next five years. And I also think that um, 
digital currencies or cryptocurrencies. I, I, nowadays, I think you have to differentiate between digital currencies, something that Facebook wants to do with Libra, which is not a cryptocurrency. Yeah. Um, uh, so I like to use the, this differentiation um, today. Um, but yeah, I generally think they will be accepted as payment methods um, more and more. So speaking of like digital currencies versus cryptocurrencies, I don't know if you know JP Morgan, um, a yeah. very large bank just launched yeah. their own. That is a cryptocurrency, right? And do you see more banks doing things like that? Well, so I, I, I would argue this currency. Um, to be uh, totally honest, I'm not entirely sure, but I think the currency, so they basically issued a stable coin. Um, I don't know what it's called, but the, let's call it JP Morgan dollar for the sake of the argument. Yeah. Um, it's always worth $1 and it's just used internally for now or with close uh, business associates to um, make cross-border transactions more efficient. Um, as long as there is one central entity in control of um, issuing the currency of um, managing the uh, supply, then I would argue this is a digital currency. For me, cryptocurrency is um, comes with being decentralized and not having a central entity in control of the money supply. Very interesting. So that's how you would that's how you would differentiate those categorizations. And Libra, then, in your mind, is a digital currency because Facebook is the entity that's centralizing it. Yeah, it's Pretty a digital asset that represents a share in a basket of assets, um, some bonds, um, some different currencies. Uh, I'm not sure if they announced it entirely yet, but I'm sure it will be some uh, US dollars, some euros, some yen. So they said a basket of the more stable um, national or international currencies and some um, low volatility uh, volatility assets such as bonds. And so basically they are selling you a share of this basket and this is by definition an asset, uh, a, a traditional asset. It's huh. just um, the way it is, the way balances are maintained is close to a blockchain, but uh, to be precise, it's not even a blockchain because I think they don't use blocks. But to be honest, I didn't take a deep dive on Libra because I mean, being a privacy focused project with Horizon, you can assume yeah. you know, on, on a Facebook coin. Right. Um, yeah, well, this is all fascinating to me, honestly. I hope, I hope our listeners think the same. Um, do you mind if I actually ask you one more question? I know, I know it's later. No, no, no uh, please. Come on. Uh, I actually enjoyed this talk quite a bit. So yeah. it's for me, we don't have to end this soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so there's in like people who, I guess, study kind of the crypto markets, which are a vastly different thing than like stock markets internationally. Um, they see kind of trends that, you know, like, even Bitcoin rising to 20,000 and then dropping to 3,000 um, for you know, US dollars. Um, they see that as part of a, a much larger global trend. And at the time, I think when that rise was happening, people said that Bitcoin was, um, they compared it to like the tulip craze, right? In the 1800s where it's like, people are just buying it because other people are buying it, right? But yeah. I don't think that's what it is. And, and because it's sitting around 10,000 right now, I think that's proof that, that it really isn't like that. 
Um, so I guess my question to you is a lot of people, because Bitcoin dominance has risen to about 70% right now, do you see that continuing or do you see kind of what they call alt season? Do you see another one of those kind of on the way? <laughs> I know that's, that might be a tough question. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm having a hard time answering this. Um, if there's something that prevents you from, from kind of speaking to this, that's fine. I mean, uh, this is, this is my, my personal opinion here. Um, not speaking for, for anybody besides myself. Um, I do think that there will be a slight shift back from um, from Bitcoin to other digital currencies. Um, I think there is, while there is a lot of, um, well, there are a lot of projects that I don't predict a very bright future for. Um, there are some that certainly add value uh, to the space. Um, some that um, offer a set of features that Bitcoin cannot as of now and from what it looks like will not in the midterm and maybe not even long term. Um, so I would think that there will be a point where some value, where the, where the market dominance goes below 70 then. Yeah, I think that's kind of fascinating to me just because everything is like you know this like in the tech world like i forget what it's called but there's like a law that kind of things just basically increase at a rate of you know basically they double in terms of like memory of something it doubles every two years so why has bitcoin yeah 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 exactly why has bitcoin which was initially created in what 2009 why does it still have the presence that it has? Because assuming that everything that has come after it, maybe not everything, but a lot of the stuff has, that has come after it has been improving upon what was the original Bitcoin blockchain. Mm. Well, <laughs> so it's arguable if most of them actually did improve upon Bitcoin. That's the first thing I'd say. Um, yeah. No, but that's that's a different question. I think it is it's still in the place where it is today because it just had a huge first move advantage. Um, and it had the um, benefit of um, building network effects before any other cryptocurrency could. Um, it still has the best track record in terms of um, security and uptime. Um, I mean, huh. certainly there will certainly be other cryptocurrencies that have just just as well of an uptime and security track record. But um, so yeah, this is, um, it, it's definitely unprecedented that a digital currency has been um, up and running for more than 10 years. Right. Just because none of the others were around for that long. Um, and, and it has just gained a lot of trust with institutions over the last few years, I would assume, because people actually, I think there have been a bunch of people after the first uh, bubble in 13, where prices rose above uh, $1,000 for the first time. Um, I think when they 
saw it rise from the lows of, I don't know, 180, 200, around that, those levels to, um, to 1,000, 2,000, and ultimately 20,000, they realize, hey, this might not be the, the tulip bubble that you mentioned before, after all. So there might actually be something to it. And I think everybody that um, has, anybody that has, has an approach to technic, technical processes or software or economics, and that spends some time and is being intellectually honest about what he's reading, then he will find that Bitcoin has value. Yeah. Well, I, I agree with that, definitely. Um, okay, well, thank you so much for coming on with us. Um, we usually give My kind pleasure. of, uh, yeah, everybody we talk to a chance to like plug something that they're doing. Do you have anything that you want to plug? Um, besides, this is uh, Jonas Rubel of Horizon. Horizon is spelled H-O-R-I-Z-E-N. Um, did you, yeah, so did you want to, did you want to have anything that you want to plug? Yeah, um, well, I didn't think about this beforehand, but now um, that the final part was about learning about blockchain, I think it might make sense. Um, over the last year, I've put in quite a bit of work into the Horizon Academy that you can find via our main website or um, academy.horizon, as you said, Z-E-N in the end, dot global. And um, basically try to explain blockchain in uh, different levels. So there's an, a beginner level where we just basically explain what it does, what it can do. Um, then there's an advanced level where we kind of introduce some of the technical terms and um, soon we will release the expert level um, where you can get an in-depth understanding of um, the technology behind yeah. all of uh, cryptocurrencies. And um, if you think, hey, now I really want to know how this works, um, please check it out. Um, I think you will learn something. <laughs> I hope. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are, you, are you constantly fixated on the price? Just curious. <laughs> I think I would no, be no, for no. you. Really? No. Uh, this, stopped after, this stopped after about, I'd say, a year. Huh. So actually at first... Well, my first move was to actually buy Bitcoin and then because a friend of mine bought some and then I just gave him an extra 200 euros and said, hey, put this in there for me as well. And at the time when I bought, when he bought it, I was like, okay, now I want to know what this is all about. And um, this is also a, a tip that I can give to everybody. Um, just put a small amount of money into crypto. It will it will give you some incentive to actually understand what this is all about. And it will, it just gives you the chance to, to do a first transaction, to set up a wallet, see what this is all about. And um, you will realize that it's not that difficult after all. And yeah, just, if it's just 10 bucks or 20 bucks, something, yeah, something you would spend at a night out and that doesn't hurt you. And um, yeah, once you, once you've looked into it and are sure you want to put some more in, go for it <laughs> if you like. No yeah. financial advice here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I agree too. Um, and that's why we wanted to have you on and, and we're very thankful that you did. So this is uh, Jonas Rubel. You can visit the website at horizon.global. That is H-O-R-I-Z-E-N dot 
global, G-L-O-B-A-L. All right, Jonas. Well, thank you so much. Um, yeah, don't be a stranger. We'd be happy to have you on again. Um, when, when my co-host is here, he probably would have some other questions for you too. So um, yeah, maybe we can make it happen again. Yeah, I'd love that. All right, man. Well, thank you so much. Um, yeah, we'll be talking to you later. Um, what's, what's your Twitter account so people can reach out to you if they have questions? Um, it's at S. Well, I'm just going to spell it right away. <laughs> okay. Um, at S L E B U R. All right. At S L E B U R. Awesome. All right, man. Well, thank you so much. Um, yeah, we'll be releasing this probably later today and, um, I'll send it over to you so you can listen too. So sweet. All right, hey, man. Have yourself a good day, man. Yep. You too. All bye right. Bye-bye.